The title of the message today is Under Full Warranty, Never Rescinded. <laughs> Under Full Warranty, Never Rescinded. Do you ever buy um, appliances, cars, anything? They, some of them come with an extended warranty or a warranty. You know, it's 30 seconds or 30 feet, whichever comes first. And, um, you know, you buy things and you take them home, they don't work or whatever, but they always are offering you, not always, many places offer you an extended warranty. And you buy this and it's good for another year, two years on top of whatever. And, and, you know, and um, I, I, I have a 100,000 mile warranty on my car and it's almost there. <laughs> We're at almost 90,000, so... But you have these warranties in case something goes wrong. But what happens is it expires. Well, there are, in Message Bible, Romans chapter 11, verse 29 says, God's gifts and God's call are under full warranty, never canceled, never rescinded. God's gifts and God's call are fully warranted, Never canceled, never rescinded. So when we think of what God has in store for our life and has planned for our life, we can try and cancel the warranty by walking away from or turning our back on God, but God never cancels it. What God has called and what God intends to bless your life with and what he wants to do in our life never is canceled out. Okay? So when you think about security and we think about our faith and we think about our relationship with God, God has a plan and a purpose. Trey's going to college. Brian's going to school. Um, We have these different avenues that we are pursuing. And it's like we're preparing ourselves. Well, God has a blessing. God has a plan for our lives. And we must do our part. We must, we must do our part and know that God is, play and pray that God is behind all of these things. You know, when I went to college, um, sad to say, I don't know, sad, it just happened this way. I was, I was probably a sophomore and I decided, you know what, I need to go to college. Well, all my friends were already in the college program, so I started in the college program as a junior, so I was like really behind, and they said, well, if you don't have these classes, these classes, you can never get in, nobody's ever going to accept you, so there I was, sitting with ninth graders as a junior, taking, you know, the, the, some of the academic classes, and it was like, okay, this is really worth it, and I would sit there and do those things, because I really felt that I should go to school, go to college, so I decided that at the end of all of this, graduation, and everything, uh, I went to the um, guidance counselor of the school, and they said, well, why don't you apply to Salem College in Salem, West Virginia? Never heard of it, never had any idea of it, so I made an application to one school, and I got accepted. Imagine that. So I went there, went to their program, spent the first year there, um, went back, played some sports my second year, and the very first day of uh, my second year, I stole this lady's beanie. In those days, you know, you had to wear beanies, you know, and it was, if you got caught without your beanie as a freshman, you were, you know, you had, you were penalized, and they had all these harassing things that they did to people that you're not allowed to do anymore, and uh, I stole this lady's beanie, 
and that person was Rhonda. <laughs> That'll teach her. So the very first day of college, her very first day of college, I stole her beanie, and we've been together ever since. So I never gave her beanie back, and she wouldn't leave me till I gave it to her. So, um, but God has gifts, and God has plans for our life that we have no idea over. You know, so as a sophomore in, co- in high school, saying I want to go to college, and then pro- then applying to one school that I had no idea where it was or what it was or what it was supposed to do and, and all these things. And, and Rhonda, she went to um, Alderson Broadus and she was there and she was in the advanced curriculum and taking the summer programs. But w- she ended up with f- a fluke she got a, a C or a D in a program. I mean, she, you know, she spent the rest. The only time she ever got bad grades is when I was there. And after that, you know, she was an A student. But while uh, she, she ended up with a, a, a C or a D, anyhow, they, Allison brought us by mistake, thought that she was part of the program to, you know, people they were giving a chance to get into school and you take two classes, two courses, and if you do poor in them, you can't come back for the main class. Well, they got her confused with that group and told her she couldn't come back to school uh, until Alderson brought us. So, by chance, (laughs) uh, she went to her academic advisor and they said, well, we'll send your, you know, your records to Salem and why don't you go there? So, she sent her records to Salem and she was accepted. Then Alderson brought us caught their mistake and said, we made a mistake, we want you to come back, you know, you're in the advanced curriculum, and, you know, this, this just happens, and so she didn't go back to Alderson Broadus, she came to Salem College, and on her first day, I stole her beanie. <laughs> and the rest is history. So, how did we know? How did we make those decisions? How... Does, how does life come about and we, we plan and, you know, well, I'm going to steal somebody's beanie and I'll marry that person and I'll be with them for the rest of my life. That's what I was thinking of when I stole her beanie. <laughs> I'm changing risks, you know. Jose's, you know, if you tell a lie, you got to change the risk thing, you know. Well, I had no idea that that would happen. It's just, you know, by chance, by circumstance, by whatever, we look at this, and, and in our life, um, I, I think sometimes we, we look at as if n- what we are doing means absolutely nothing, and there are no consequences or no rewards in all of this. And, and that's in the opposite for the Christian, for the child of God. There, there's a way that God has to direct paths, and it was at that church in Clarksburg, West Virginia, where I heard about Zion Bible College, and so that's where I went to do my study to be a minister. So I spent two years at Salem and three years in in Rhode Island, and it was through the combination of all those things that Rhonda and I graduated at the same time (laughs) and from college, and because she came in the second year and three years and four, you know, you add that up, you get four and four. But anyhow, uh, we were married and started in the ministry. So we look at those things and we look at our life and the challenges that are there 
we have to have an understanding that our life is under full warranty and God's plan for our life is never rescinded. God's plan for our life is never rescinded. And the scripture that I want to read is in 1 Hezekiah. There is no Hezekiah. There is only 2 Kings chapter 18, verse 5 and 6, and it is King Hezekiah. If you really want to get somebody, tell them to look up 1 Hezekiah and they'll go through the Bible and anyhow, it's not there. It's King Hezekiah in chapter, chapter 18, verse 5. Hezekiah put his whole trust in God of Israel. There was no king quite like him, either before or after. He held fast to God, never loosened his grip, and obeyed to the letter everything God had commanded. And God, for his part, held fast to him through all of his adventures. <laughs> How about that? Held fast to him through all of his adventures. How many think life is an adventure? How many don't even know if they're living? <laughs> life is an adventure. Why? Because you never know what's going to happen. We never know the intersections. You never know whose beanie you're going to steal. You never know. You never know what's going to happen in those situations. You know, Terry and Tabby and the, the job in Pittsburgh and traveling and selling the house. We never know what's going to happen. We know that this is the direction. But how many others, you know, with those who are ill or, or sickness or, or problems or decisions and decisions that come our way and the challenges that are there, we don't know what all of that is about because we can't see beyond it. But Hezekiah was able to understand that he was going to follow the principles that Moses had established for the nation of Israel and he was going to make a difference. Well, King Hezekiah came to be king, king of Judah, the southern kingdom, which were the tribes of Judah and Benjamin. And King Hezekiah was 25 years old whenever he, whenever he ascended to the throne. And he was king for 29 years. Hezekiah is known as a reformer. He was concerned about bringing God back into the um, life of Israel and into the worship of Israel. Now this small kingdom of Judah... Um, had split from Israel. There was always conflict, <laughs> you know, not always, but between the different tribes of Israel, there was often different, uh, you know, conflicts. And what had happened in Judah and in Israel, but in, we're just primarily speaking about Hezekiah, and what had happened in Judah was they had built altars to other gods. They were worshiping idols. You know, if you read through the Old Testament, you say they had altars in high places, it wasn't altars to God in those high places. They, were, they would build altars to other gods on, on the tops of mountains and, and, or, or high places. And there they would offer these sacrifices to other gods than the God of Israel, the God that Abraham worshipped. So they had pagan temples that they built. I mean, Israel had gotten so far that Hezekiah, his father nailed the doors of the temple shut and promoted all these other worship to go on and nailed the doors of the temple shut. So when Hezekiah comes to power, he boldly decides that he's going to go back to the, you know, to the laws of Moses and to the ways that God had established for the nation of Israel. 
and these altars and pagan temples, he went out and he destroyed them. And the temple doors that his da, his da, his dad, <laughs> the temple doors that his dad had nailed shut, Hezekiah opened them, went in and cleaned the temple and reestablished the Passover celebration. I mean, when you think about it, the Passover celebration was the celebrating of God delivering the nation of Israel from Egypt. The Passover is our Easter when Jesus died upon the cross is the same when the Passover lamb was sacrificed and God delivered the, the children of Israel and that the angel of death came to the firstborn of, of the Egyptians. But that angel of death passed over those who had the blood of the lamb on their doorpost. It was God's deliverance of Egypt, God's deliverance of Israel from Egypt. And that had, people had become complacent. It had been a number of generations had passed since these events had happened, and over the years, they just became complacent with their religion to the point they nailed the doors of the temple shut to worship other gods. Well, Hezekiah, he was a man of prayer, and he began to, you know, in his prayer and so on, seeking God, he came up with a direction and he came up with a way that he was going to restore worship to Israel. So what happened is that God cared for them. God cared for Israel. Even whenever they were building pagan temples and worshiping idols and away from God, God still cared for them. You see, God is not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. It is the will of God that every person come to a relationship with God. There are those who refuse to follow God. They are the ones who are going to suffer the consequences for their decisions. But God's desire to work in our life can never be rescinded. What God intends, intends for your life, my life, God will Keep working at that to accomplish it. It will never be canceled out. No matter where we go, we may turn our back on it and never fulfill it, but God wants to bring it to fulfillment in our life. Romans eleven twenty nine. God's gifts, God's call are under full warranty, never canceled, never rescinded. So the lesson that we take from Hezekiah comes as we look at his strengths and his weaknesses. We got some good news and we got some bad news. I, I, I sorry, I have to come up with more stories. I maybe I told you this. I'm, you know, I'm old. I'm forgetful. I'm sure I told you this story. It's a joke. We got some good news, bad news. I told you this one. You know, huh? Go for it. Yeah, Bobby and I are, you know, good friends. We've been friends all our life. We paid, he's not as old as I am. I'm, this is a joke. I'm using his as an illustration, okay? Now, so Bobby and I grew up together playing baseball together, you know, kids, Little League, Pony League, you know, all the way up through, uh, you know, majors, did the, all the league, playing the same teams, everything. We got old together, and we made a pact that if one of us dies, goes to heaven, we'll get, you know, we'll get back to the other one, you know, what heaven's like. So... I die. Okay. <laughs> I die, go to heaven. Bobby's waiting for me to come back, tell him what's going on. One night I show up, and I say, Bobby. He goes, whoa. 
you know, I'm the only one who calls him Bobby. <laughs> uh, so anyhow, I show up, hey, Bobby, how you doing? Great, and he's glad to see me, you know, I'm not a ghost, I'm a person. And anyhow, I show up, and, and then we say, well, what's it like in heaven? I say, hey, it's great, we can play ball all day, you never get tired, there's no night, there's no night games, you know, it's all these things. And uh, he says, well, you know, what's it like? I says, well, I got some good news and bad news. Okay, what's the good news? I can throw like I never threw before. I can run faster than I ever ran before. It is wonderful. He said, what's the bad news? I said, the bad news is you're pitching tomorrow. <laughs> so the bad news about Hezekiah. Hezekiah, he had... He was this kind of guy who was able to see things and what needed done. And he was a great planner. And whenever he saw something that needed done, he was on it. He brought reform, brought change to Israel. But his, he, you know, his fault was he was a little too proud of his accomplishment. Now, there's nothing wrong with being pri prideful or having some pride. There's nothing wrong with having some pride in what you do. Because, you know, you want things to be done well. But Hezekiah, his pride took him to an extent where God had prospered Judah. I mean, here's this little, you know, hole-in-the-wall country uh, with these, you know, people of this small section of Israel. And, you know, God had prospered and made them quite wealthy. God had blessed them, blessed his efforts and, and everything. And when the Babylonian delegation came to Judah, what do you think he did? He showed them all of his wealth. Guess what they became? They made it to Babylon's need to conquer list because we want what they got. <laughs> so that eventually led to Babylon coming down and conquering and taking over Judah. But it was Hezekiah, he was proud of what he had done, and, and rightfully so, but he had taken to an extent where his pride got him in a place where he was going to suffer someone else coming in and conquering his nation. But let's look at the good things. So the idea then that we take from the list of Hezekiah is that we need wisdom. We need wisdom as we grow with God and God blesses our life. We need the wisdom that God gives to us as we, grow, as we grow in our relationship with God and in the blessing that God does for us. Wisdom is the ability to apply truths to our life situation. We want to be wise in how that we apply God's blessing to our life. You know, the pride is in how God has worked through us and how God has accomplished it. God is at work in our life to do a good thing. And what God wants to do in your life is never rescinded. So what we are doing is we are fulfilling the plan that God has for us. And no matter what I was able to do in my life, God had a plan. And, you know, and, and Did you ever have grandiose dreams? They were nightmares, right? <laughs> no. Grandiose dreams. You know, whenever I was a young minister, and uh, I had all these grandiose dreams of being having a very large church, Joel and I would be comrades, you know. Joel Osteen, you know, fills that center, 
you know, those kind of guys, I'd be, you know, I'd be good because I'm good. But God made me the pastor of a very large congregation. He made me the pastor of an entire community. (laughs) It just happens to be that you sit in church and listen to me all the time. But God has enabled me to, and Rhonda, our ministry, has been something that has affected an entire community, an entire region. And but think about the effect of all of multiply, multiplying that by everything that God has done in your life and how that God has touched your life and how that you have had an effect upon others and how that that continues to multiply outward from here. So in reality, Joel has nothing on us <laughs> because, you know, we have something going that has made a difference and what God intended for our life, can never be rescinded. It's just that if we don't see it correctly, we would think of it in a wrong manner. If we don't see it correctly, we'd say, well, you know, you pastor 50, 60, 70, 80 people who show up and and on Easter and Christmas, maybe 100. (laughs) But in reality, what God has in store for us is something greater than what we see. In Hezekiah, 2 Kings chapter 18, verses 5 and 6, Hezekiah trusted to the Lord, the God of Israel. There was no one like him among all the kings of Judah, either before or after him. He held fast to the Lord. He, had, he held fast to his faith in God and did not cease to follow him. He kept the commandments the Lord had given to Moses. So he was following and established the established truths that God had brought to the nation of Israel. And when he followed the established truths that God had brought to Israel, God brought prosperity to the entire nation and to him. If we allow God to bless those around us, he will all, that blessing will be part of us. Often in our, in our society, we get a little mixed up. If God will bless me, I'll be faithful to God and give to you. In reality, God blesses us first, and we see the blessing of God around us, you know, and, and how that it makes a difference. You know, we were at a, uh, uh, a dinner, and there was, uh, you know, and, and me, you know, I'm kind of trying to, you know, give people hugs and stuff, you know. And I don't only do that here. I do it in, in meetings and stuff with people, and boards and whatever, and, and you see other people doing that. You see other people greeting one another, you know, not full embrace, but greeting, you know, hug, half hug, whatever. You see that going on. Where does that come from? You see people greeting the way you greet. You see people smiling, you smile at them, and, you know, you're accepting of them. You're, what's going on there is you are transferring something to them, even if you don't even know it, You are giving them something. Hezekiah, he reopened the doors of God's house and called the people to repent and return to God. So he opened the temple, the place of worship in Jerusalem. Well, we are to know that God's house, God's house, his church, is important. It is an important part of our life. Being here is very important to our spiritual, physical, mental, emotional development. 
Because this is where we find the truths of God's word that are applicable to our everyday life. That's where the wisdom comes in. Applicable to our business, to our life, to our work, to whatever we do. Everything that we do is affected by the truths that we learn from God's word and the expectation that God is going to bless. Not from a, not from a sense of being uh, that it's all profit. It's going to be profitable. But God gives us wisdom as to how to be profitable in our relationships. How to take what we've got and to develop it so that it brings truths to people's lives that makes a difference. Here, Hezekiah used God's word and, and we find that you know brought, in, you know, brought God into the city and into, the, into his, this little corner of Israel, to Judah, and it blessed them to the point that Babylon wanted them on their hit list. <laughs> but in our life, you think of what the church has made, made a difference in our life. Even when I was a kid growing up, I never forget the night we threw the pastor in his own pool. Uh, <laughs> he didn't like it too well, but we succeeded. You know, he was a real struggle. That was when I was a teenager. You know, he was, he was kind of a wiry guy. And uh, it took about five or six of us, but we've got him in there. <laughs> I don't think he ever forgot that. But, uh, you know, there are certain things that we think about in, in you know, in church. And, you know, like, uh, um, well, sometimes people say that going to church, you know, it, you know, you get encouraged and you feel good. And, and you go home by the time Wednesday gets here, you know, it's like, oh, what good did that do? And it's like, should I go anymore? And, well, the answer is this. Bathing is something we need to do every day. <laughs> if you don't take a bath every day, you begin to stink. So bathing doesn't work either unless you do it every day. And reviving and renewing the Word of God in our life is a daily process. It isn't something we do once a week. I think taking a bath once a week is something that has gone by the wayside a long time ago. That's when you had to sit in a bathtub not a bathtub, a laundry tub, and, you know, everybody shared the same water, and you took a bath once a week whether you needed it or not. Okay, you don't remember that. Okay, so. You see, going, coming to church and being part of it, you know, it is something that is part of our renewal. It's part of what God is doing in our life, and we need to keep that renewal going. You see, Hezekiah challenged the corruption, the carnality, the sinful activities that had become so prominent in his society. He challenged it from the highest to the lowest. His father, king, nailed the door shut. Well, we, the church, the, the body of Jesus Christ, we are the light of the world. We light up people's lives. <laughs> okay. You're supposed to say amen to that one, you know. <laughs> I light up people's lives. Amen. All right, okay. Hezekiah established the supremacy of God's word. The supremacy of God's word that he went back to the laws of Moses and said, people, this is the law that God has given us and the teachings of Moses were once again brought out to the people. And Hezekiah called for the people to worship God. In, in uh, chapter 28, verse 31, it says, the whole assembly bowed in worship while the singers sang and the trumpets played. 
And all this continued until the sacrifice of the burnt offering was complete. That was at least a three-hour sermon. (laughs) And they stayed in one place worshiping God and praising God while the sacrifice was made because they remembered it was the sacrifice of the blood of the Lamb that delivered them from the oppression of Egypt and established them as a nation and brought them into their promised land. And coming and reminding ourselves that we are forgiven and that Christ has forgiven us of our sins has brought us to a relationship with God that nothing, that what God has promised us will never be rescinded. So no matter how we feel tomorrow, the promise of God hasn't changed. And where, we, where do we renew this? We renew this by coming into his presence, by reading his word and by praying. So we are inspired to seek God. We are inspired to pray. We are inspired to sing and to worship. And 2 Chronicles 31:21. In everything that he undertook, meaning Hezekiah, he sought his God. Everything he decided to do, what he saw needed done in the country, he prayed about. He prayed and asked for God's direction. We seek God. And then, what did Hezekiah do? He wholeheartedly, wholeheartedly, say that, wholeheartedly, wholeheartedly, (laughs) he went to work. He went to work doing. He went to work accomplishing what he prayed about. And what was the outcome? And Hezekiah prospered. He prayed. He wholeheartedly committed himself to the task. And what he did prospered. That's the challenge of our life. That, as Paul says in Romans 11, 29, God's gifts and God's calling are under full warranty. The warranty never expires. What God has promised for your life is under full warranty. Well, it's good unless you use it. (laughs) You ever ever take something back and and, and it's it's broke? He says, well, did you use it? "Uh Uh-huh. I said, well, that's why it broke. (laughs) Hello. (laughs) Something missing? (laughs) God's call is under full warranty nothing will take it out of warranty in fact use will cause it to prosper so god's call is under full warranty never canceled never rescinded for the gifts and the king james says for the gifts and calling of god are without repentance god doesn't change his mind about your life god never changes his mind about your life. What he intended for your life, what God intended for my life when I was a little kid going to church and following my grandfather down to the altar, never changed. What God intended for me as a teenager sitting in the last pew of church, sneaking out at the prayer before the sermon and going to the store and buying candy and coming back And at the final prayer, sneaking back into church and in the back pew, and there when my mom and dad would turn around, I would be sitting and smiling. God, what God promised for me at that time of my life has never rescinded. 
See, I'm too, I wouldn't let you do that. But God, my preacher, he, I don't think he ever noticed. If he did, he never said. So anyhow, <laughs> me and my friends as teenagers would sneak out and go get candy on Sunday morning. <sighs> Amen, yeah. <laughs> so you never, I never told you that story. See, there's some things I still haven't told you. So, the conclusion is, Hezekiah put his whole trust in the God of Israel. And what happened? God held fast to him. Even whenever I was going and getting candy, God held fast to me. Even when I went to a secular college, and, you know, that first year, you know, I had some, my, uh, my roommates loved Bob Dylan. <laughs> some of you don't know who that is. But anyhow, and we used to, you know, and my, my roommates joined fraternities and they were big drunks. And uh, I put them to bed when they came back drunk. But I never went with them. And there were a lot of things that went on. And even one of the most, in one of the fraternities that was probably the, the biggest drinkers on campus, they wanted me to be part of their fraternity because they liked me. Because I was their friend. And I was their preacher because I would tell them about God. But you know, I did it in such a way that they thought I was their friend. And I was. I was, the one is, um, he is the uh, assistant athletic director at the University of Kentucky. And uh, I called his uh, office. One time we were driving from back from Missouri. And uh, I said, is, uh, is uh, Bob Bradley there? And the, and the secretary says, you mean Dr. Bob, Dr. Bradley? I goes, yeah, yeah, Dr. Bob. Uh, and she said, well, who shall I say is calling? I said, tell him the most holy bishop of, the most holy reverend bishop of Wimber is calling. She goes, oh, Father, I'll tell him. God has a plan. He never rescinds it. And Bob, Dr. Bob, even with that day in our visit, he said, I never forgot, I never forgot the influence of your life while we spent those two years together as roommates. You see, it wasn't a Christian college, but it was a place that God used for me to touch the lives of others. And the promise that God had upon Bob's life, the promise that God has upon your life, never changes. Can't be rescinded. We need to be in a place where we allow that to touch us in a way that makes a difference. A security as we stand upon the rock, Jesus Christ. And no matter what happens in life, from this place of security, God's promise is never rescinded, it's never canceled. It just continues to be developed in us. And every time we come to church, it is renewed. And if on Wednesday you get a little down, take a little bath. Shall we stand? <laughs> Amen? So we take a bath. We, we, you, know, you got the analogy, right? You remember the analogy? Okay. Father, thank you for your blessings Thank you for the security we find in knowing you as our Savior, our friend, 
the one who has called us to the kingdom for such a time as this. Let your blessing be upon our life. Let the renewal of your spirit continue to strengthen us. Help us, O God, to accept and to establish your word in our heart. Lord, what you've promised us is never rescinded and never canceled. Thank you, Jesus, for having faith in us till we have faith in you. Amen? Thank you, God, for having faith in us until we had faith in you. Amen? Thank you, God, for having faith in us until we had faith in him. Amen.